0: And so I made a decision, like I I just like took every dime I made from selling selling that company and put it all in in real estate, single family home.
1: My name is Demetri and I'm a productivity and systems enthusiast. I'm Chance. I'm a philosophy and self-development enthusiast. And you're listening to the Rise Productive Podcast. The show where productivity meets business. And what it means to build better systems. Enjoy the show. If you're listening to this, you are not on our private subscriber feed, and you will only be hearing a portion of this episode. If you'd like to listen to the full-length episode, you'll need to go to riseproductive.com membership or sign up on your favorite podcasting app for exclusive access. From there, you'll also get access to our exclusive newsletter, the weekly pour-over, our private members-only Discord community, and any other subscriber-only content. So if you enjoy what we are doing here, please consider becoming a member. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Rise Productive Podcast. In today's episode, we have Brian Clayton Clayton from yourgreenpal.com. How are you doing, Brian? Dimitri, I'm doing
0: great. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on your show.
1: Yeah, for sure. How long have you been... uh... We we're actually talking about Nashville hot chicken prior to starting this call. So I'm glad I had dinner or else I would be hungry. Um, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious uh, if you could start things off with a little bit about what you, uh, who you are and what you do and
0: how you got started at uh, your Green Pal. Yeah, from Nashville, Tennessee. So uh nashville is is uh in my opinion the greatest city in the world for a weekend so if you're looking <laughs> for a, for a week. great weekend yeah come to nashville uh but uh, that's what green pal is based out of green pal is the app that works like uber but for lawn care services so let's say you have a home you own or you rent a house or something and you need to get someone to mow your yard rather than calling around on craigslist or facebook or or asking for friends for recommendations or whatever. You just download GreenPow, pop your address in and you get multiple quotes back in a couple of minutes. And then you can hire a lawn mowing service to cut the grass for you right through the app. If that goes well, you just push a button and it just happens like clockwork for the rest of the season. And (laughs) GreenPow is a 10 year overnight success. (laughs) My my two co-founders and I have been at this thing for over a decade. Uh we, We started off in Nashville. Actually, we, we spent three years just trying to get the marketplace to work reliably and smoothly in in, in Nashville. And uh, after we kind of figured it out and built a little playbook around what we learned and what worked and what didn't, we then started moving on to scaling to other cities. And now we're nationwide in the whole whole U.S. Um, any city above twenty or thirty thousand people, you can you can use GreenPal to get a grass cutting service. Around three hundred thousand people using the app every week to get lawn mowing done.
1: That's so interesting. I, I, I'd love to hear more about this because um, you know, I think there's a lot of buzzwords uh thrown around now with like uh different companies wanting to become a SaaS or become, you know, a, a more uh scalable uh companies or they, they want to do things that aren't so traditional, but to be to be honest, like you're you're providing like a very are you, are you the one also providing the loan services, or are you just the, the provider of the um the connection between people who would be what do you, what, what, I'm curious how that works.
0: So we work just like an Uber or an Airbnb or an Instacart yeah. or a DoorDash. We're, we're a marketplace. So we're yeah. in the business of introducing people, buyers and sellers yeah. Uh, yeah. to each other, making the connections, making that whole, whole thing happen smoother, quicker, faster, cheaper, easier.
1: It's so, I think it's so, I think it's so cool because there's, um. people are interested in, in new things or fancy things, but maybe maybe you agree with this maybe you don't but i mean lawn care not exactly the most flashy probably like idea somebody would come up with what where, where did you like think like you know what uber for lawn care
0: yeah i think i think no matter what you're doing the least sexy or glamorous or or, or just exciting your yeah. idea is i think i think the greater your chances can be for inevitable yeah. success because a lot of these kind of like meat and potatoes blue collar types of spaces are often overlooked Hmm. and there's a Mm -hmm. lot, lot less, lot less competition to innovate in them. And so that's, that's kind of been the case for us with green pal. We, I, I didn't, I just come up with the idea like out of thin air. Uh, Actually my first business was a landscaping company. I Hmm. started mowing grass in high school as a way to make extra cash and, and, Stuck with this little lawn mowing business I had in high school and then had to put myself through college. Uh, so I kept mowing yards in college and went to school at night. And then when I graduated college, I had to make like a decision. Was I going to go into the job market and and, and take a pay cut or, or <laughs> stick with this lawn care business I had? And so I, I didn't really want to be a lawn guy. Uh, I hated mowing yards, actually hated the smell of cut grass. Um, my, my back hurt all the time and stuff, but, but, uh, but, but I decided, Hey man, maybe, maybe building a long wing business could be like my lane in life. Maybe, maybe business ownership is, is my lane. And, and so I made a little business plan and over like over a 10, 15 year period of time grew that little business uh, year over year, eventually to over 150 employees hmm. uh, over $10 million a year in revenue and then in 2013 that business was acquired by a national company wow. in the, in the landscaping space. You wouldn't think there's like national landscaping companies, but <laughs> but but there's like a handful. There's four, three or four big ones that have thousands of employees and do hundreds of millions of dollars in sales and one of them bought my business. And so so sold that business and and then took some time off, thought I was going to like live the good life I'm and tired. just chill. And that got boring after about three months. And I thought, well, what am I going to do now? I, I, you know, I just got done watching the social network. I thought, man, that's cool. I, I, I wonder if I could do that. Uh, I that would, see that would seems like that would be neat to run a tech company. Mm-hmm. And And it was kind of like naivete as an asset. I didn't, I didn't know the first thing about how to build a website or how to program an app or, or how to design an app or anything like that, but I thought, well, somebody uh, is going to build an app that works like Uber, but for lawn care. Okay. Because U- Uber was just getting rolling then. This was like 2013, and yeah. Airbnb was just blowing it up too. And and I saw what what these apps were doing for real world transactions. See, up until then, websites apps were very much just bits on a screen. You yeah. Know, like pixels. They weren't atoms. They weren't moving things in the real world you mm-hmm. couldn't push a button on your phone and something magically happened and so mm-hmm. like uber uber amazon airbnb uh kind of like proved that yeah no it, it, you, you could you could make real world experiences happen by pushing a button and so so that kind of like validated the idea for me that somebody was going to build an app that made this humble industry that i know very well work and as magical as pushing a button. And why can't that be me? And so I, I built a team and we started working on it and quickly we're confronted with reality that's a lot harder than we thought. But you know, we just kept at it. Made little small, little, very, very small goals and knocked those down year over year. And, and now here we are 10 years in and we've got a, a, pr- a pretty good business going.
1: So you've been in the long care or long care uh, connection business in total then for over 20 years, right?
0: 23 years, yeah, And in, in, in this business on the blue collar side. And now on the tech side.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Cause I was thinking about this the other day, actually. There's a trend of uh, people who are trying to start, um, what is it, window washing businesses? Yeah. That people just like door knock and window wash in yeah. uh, upper scale communities. And I was thinking about it. I'm like, man, it is crazy how much money people will pay for maintenance of things that have to, like, they have to have, you know? Like, listen.
0: I, yeah. I think. You just you just hit the nail on the head. Cause this is this is so top of mind for me right now. I think with everything that's going on with AI, mm-hmm. you're gonna see an ev- like an evisceration of of what I call um surplus elites mm. and, and and like the surplus of like white collar workers are going to have to revert back to actual actual like trades. Mm-hmm. Whether it be like window washing, home cleaning, lawn care services, painting services, you name it, and and the reason why, like when when you just said that, like I I just got done talking to a, a friend of mine, this girl that I went to school with, and she was and she, like a year ago, she was all like been out of shape because she hated her job at, in HR, and that's what she went to school for, yeah, and hated it, hated hated This company she worked for, and she decided to hell with it and has quit one day and started cleaning houses. Yeah. And now, now she, 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 like she's like six months in, a year in, and like she cleans houses and has like one or two helpers and she clears like 180 grand a year. Like crazy, cleaning houses. (laughs) And, and like more than like, I think she was only making like 70 or 80, you know, in her HR profession. So, I think we're going to see a lot more of that, like a reversion to blue collar meat and potatoes, like actual like trades and in a very small way, our, our platform powers that for a little corner of, of the world.
1: Yeah. So I guess I'm curious then uh, when it comes to how you managed to scale this from the local area that you're in to to the uh, to the different areas that you have now. I mean, you said over like basically I'm guessing what you do now is you I actually know, I'm actually just curious. I'm not even going to talk because you said that it started in just Nashville and then you got it so that places that have more than twenty thousand people in the United States, town wise, have access to the service. How did you? I know it's probably a long question, but how did you get from the start to any sort of expansion and then to where you are now?
0: Yeah. the The thing is, is when you're like starting a tech company like this, you want to go super fast and you want to. Yeah. You want to like blow it out because that's what you see on TV, that's what you see in the tech press, that's what you see the big well-funded companies doing, and you want to do that. Yeah. And so, like, there's this temptation to want to scale it too quickly mm. uh, because because you think that's what you're supposed to do, and and so in 2013, 14, 15, we were just trying to figure out how to get a lawn mowing service to show up on the day they're supposed to and do a good job mowing the yard. Like yeah. there was all of these uh well-funded Uber for X ideas. So mm. you name it. Uber, Uber for home cleaning, Uber for laundry service, Uber for valet parking, Uber for food delivery. There, there, there was more than just two back then. There was about twenty. And and like nine out of ten of them all crashed and burned and and destroyed billions of dollars of venture capital. Uh, doing it, and and so as an outsider, you know we didn't raise money uh, mainly because we didn't want to, mm-hmm. and also we were in Nashville. It wasn't like there was a bunch of venture capital sloshing around. So we were like having to just grow in a very methodical, like customer service oriented way because we because we needed customers so we because we needed revenue to grow, and 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 so we didn't have like a bunch of money to grow really quickly. So we had to build something that worked, something that people delighted people with. While we were doing this, like very very humble thing, we started noticing, like this company that's raised literally a hundred million dollars last year is now out of business. Yeah, and and, and and like started seeing that over and over and over again. And there's other like Uber for lawn care companies too that that were started where he's twenty million bucks, eighteen months later they're bust. Wow. And the thing that we were trying to we're trying to learn from what they were doing right and what they weren't doing right. And one thing we learned was that if you're in the tech business and like you're building uber for for home cleaning it doesn't matter how well designed your app is Mm. how beautiful it is how well the pixels are are oriented and how fast it works and yeah um the technology doesn't matter what matters is is the is the bathroom clean did the grout (laughs) get clean yeah did the behind the toilet did that get clean like did did they move the stack of papers on the kitchen counter and Clean under it. And then, you know, those things is that's the business you're in. And like, as much as I hated it, like, I, I realized I was still in the lawn business. Like, yeah, yeah, even, yeah. Though I, even though I, you know, didn't own any lawnmowers anymore, I was still very much like in the business of executing lawn services and and making sure that they happened on time and, and in a quality fashion. Just teaching other companies how to, just teaching other small business owners how to do it on my platform was the job I was in. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know that was that we were able to learn that lesson for for pennies on the dollar compared to what other well-funded companies were, were learning it for mm-hmm. and so we just decided that, that there was no reason to scale until until we were like delighting 95 98 of the people that came through the platform sure and and you know there was no reason to there was no reason to like Barn, put, put, uh, put rocket boosters on the side of a barn, uh, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or another metaphor I heard back then was putting rocket fuel in a Toyota Camry. <laughs> and there was no reason to do those stupid things. So we yeah. needed to figure out a way to like, okay, somebody signs up, they get quotes, they hire somebody, to show up when they're supposed to, they do a great job, and you push a button, they show up every Thursday until December. Yeah. Like, there are literally 1,000 things that can go wrong in that sequence of events,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, you know, long guy, his equipment gets stolen. His employee got a DUI last night. Uh, his 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 kids sick. Uh, he it was too hot that day. He didn't feel like working. It rained that day. He couldn't work. Yeah. Uh, his lawnmower was too big for the fence uh, in the backyard. He left the fence gate open. Dog got out. Um, his lawnmower oh. didn't have the, the horsepower to, to mow the grass because it was too tall. These are like just a handful of all things. Somebody, that go,
1: what about one of them uh, being they mowed the grass even when it rained?
0: Yeah, mowed the grass even when the neighbor's yard. <laughs> uh, you name it. Like, like literally, literally, there are a thousand things. Out of, maybe even 10,000 things that can go wrong mm. in, that, in that simple sequence of events. And, and what we began to learn was we're, this, it, we, we're in the business of, of building the technology to prevent all of these things from going sideways.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: One at a time. And that took a long time. It took three years just in Nashville. And then and after we kind of nailed that, we then figured, okay, now we can go to another city. Our second city was Atlanta, Georgia. And then we went to Tampa, Florida. Then we went to uh, St. Louis. And, mm-hmm. and like I know the inside of every Starbucks in the Atlanta, greater Atlanta area. I know the inside <laughs> of every Starbucks in the greater Tampa Bay area because, because back then we would, we would like go there and we would, we would wow. hand crank it all. And we had to do that because we, we needed to develop the playbook. And, and, and after doing the first six cities that way, we were able to develop a playbook where we could do it all remotely. And then we kind of codified it down into a, a series of a hundred things you do to launch a city. And we just kept doing that over and over and over and over and over again. Um, until now we're in, we're in every city in the United States. That took, I took a decade, it took a long time.
1: So when you, I'm curious then what your, uh, business model, uh, the, the fee, like where, where, where's your top line come from in the, cause I noticed that you have a, you have a money back guarantee, right? So obviously it is very important that they get their, their yeah. stuff right on their end. Right. So once you get to that 90, 90, 95 satisfaction, let's say rate is like your goal. Where do you get the top line from? Where's like the the fee taken off?
0: So all of the transactions flow through the platform. And so much like an Uber or an Airbnb or, or a DoorDash or an Instacart, you, you, you pay through the platform Mm -hmm. and then, and then we take our transactional fee, which is anywhere from 10 to 20%. And then, um, and then the rest goes to the service provider that you hired through our platform. And so we're in the business of figuring out who are the reliable service providers, promoting them Mm -hmm. so you can hire them easier. And then who are the ones that aren't so reliable and demoting them or even expelling them so you can sidestep that bad experience. And if it does go horribly wrong, the buck stops with our platform. We have to stand behind it. Um, But as time goes on, we get better and better and better at preventing those, those those transactions that don't go well, mainly because we, we understand the signals around quality service providers that care about doing a good job for their customers and, and sidelining the the guys and gals that just aren't serious about running a long long business and, and getting them off the platform.
1: That's a really good, I think that quality control is really important. So how long did it take for you to become profitable, make a profit, or was it pretty immediate, like in the first couple of years?
0: no it was probably it was probably 4 years before we could even pay ourselves a salary oh. as, cra- as crazy as that is my 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 uh so so i had sold a business and so i didn't like like i didn't plow all the money i had in, from the first sale into the company because mm-hmm. i didn't want to like ever have to like pick up a weed eater ever again. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I wanted to. I wanted to lock that in, and so I made a decision. Like I, I just like took every dime I made from Silent selling, selling that company and put it all in in real estate, single okay. family homes. And so those were highly illiquid. So I was kind of like poor all over again. And 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 so so Green pal had to kind of like sing for its supper day one yeah we put a little bit of money in i think we we got like maybe hundred and fifty thousand dollars between the three of us this was liquidated 401ks credit card checks Uh, stuff like that and that got us going um but in the early days it was me working for no salary and my two co-founders still working their full-time jobs at dell computer and and working nights and weekends on this thing for like four years and and uh we had to teach ourselves how to code I had to, I had to teach myself how to how to do front-end engineering my co-founder went to a software boot camp and became a good back-end engineer and and then my my, my other co-founder learned early on that like he just couldn't pick up the, the coding piece he just couldn't pick it up but yeah. he's like you know you know what i'm gonna do everything else and um at that time you could drive for uber and make like 40 bucks an hour he's like I, i'm gonna i'm gonna yeah. pick up shifts on uber and and uh, we can pay dev. We can pay a dev in Pakistan, uh, thirty bucks an hour yeah. to to do what we gotta do. And so, like literally, we were tra- trading like dri- drive time hours for developer hours. Smart. I mean, that's that's just what it took to to get this thing, you know, brief, you know, birthed to life.
1: Yeah. So then, when you hit that point, uh, just once again, curious. I'm. Let me try to get the timeline as well. So, did, when you started to reach profitability, then you started to move into the other cities, right? How many, what was the year for um, Atlanta?
0: Yeah, no, it was started in 2013, didn't launch Atlanta till sixteen, seventeen. Okay. So three, four years in. Um, and then once we started bolting on new cities, we started to, to bolt on more revenue. And then we were able to move a lot quicker because then my two co-founders could quit their jobs full-time, 70, 80, 90 hours a week. Um, and then we started learning how to how to delegate and build out a team around us. One mistake we made was waiting too long to delegate. We we held mm-hmm. on to everything for too long and and didn't scale up a team soon enough. And if I could do it all over again, I, I wouldn't have made that mistake. I would have once we got the 80-20 figured out around around development and coding and SEO and design and content marketing, I would have started to form up and frame up teams and all of these different skill sets but but i was kind of like gun shy because we we tried that when we first started we we hired a development shop to build the first version of the app and that was a total total bust and yeah it wiped wiped out a lot of our cash so so i had i had like those scars and i didn't want to like make that mistake again and so we made the mistake and then delegate we, we delegated too soon and then we delegated too late and, and so we didn't start building our team till like 16, 17, 18, 19 now we're 42 or three people. Um, so we made some mistakes, definitely.
1: And how do you feel that you, um, how, how have you felt on this journey in this company versus the first one? Cause your company in the first place, I think you said had over a hundred employees at one point. So it was That's right. Uh huh. So it, how is, and obviously. The first one was a service business, which is cash positive. Hopefully, right away, if you're doing okay at it. Um, yeah. So how how was that experience going from cash positive, pretty much just then making a margin uh, proportionally on the more use? I'm guessing it was like a, a generic like service physical based business where like you were just getting extra cuts as like your team grew, basically. Yes, right. Spending. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It, it's a very good question because uh, they're very different journeys. Yeah. So sold sold that first company and it was a service-based business basically you're in the business of of sales you know you have to build a great sales engine to, yeah. to prospect mm-hmm. and, and, and sell contracts and you're in the business of of the unit economics around labor hours yeah. so you've got you got 100 people out there 150 people they're they're the unit of the, the, the cog the thing you're selling is is the hour of labor and you have to manage that and you have to manage the overhead around that. So and understand what the margins are. And it and it can get really it's really thin margins in that business. So you can go mm-hmm. from making making you know a great having a great year to having a horrible year with a couple of bad decisions. Hmm. And so that was that was challenging in its own right, but it was a lot easier in many ways because because you're doing a straightforward thing, so long as you can stay on top of the numbers. And manage by a spreadsheet, and and really stick with you know holding everything accountable. You can you can have it run a profitable business, but the second business was totally different. You know, here I yeah. am thinking I sold that company. And I think everything. I, I think I know everything there is to know about getting a business going, and then I start pow and I realized, man, no, this is a lot harder because now I'm inventing a brand new product from scratch mm-hmm. that does not exist, and this is a totally different thing. This is not the same thing as Building a landscaping company. This is inventing a new product that nobody knows about. Nobody knows to use it. Nobody knows how to use it. Nobody knows they need to use it. Nobody has heard of it. And and so it's like all these problems. And so that's a hundred times harder. It's a it's a lot harder. And and so I was kind of confronted with that. Nobody told me that. Nobody tells you that. You know, if you're if you're thinking about starting a tech company, odds are the reason why running a tech company is so hard is because odds are you're inventing a new product or service or experience mm. from scratch. That's why it's harder. It's not because of the code. It's not because of the technological execution. That is challenging, but it can be learned. Education. But
1: though, that's really hard. Why you need it and literally how to use it.
0: Exactly. Distribution yeah. and, and, and inventing the thing is, is a lot harder than, than, than just running a traditional construction company or restaurant or something like that. So, so, you know, running that first business was challenging, but, but, my second company, you know, with it being a tech business, it was kind of like my first company all over again. A lot of things did port over, you know, around management and leadership and basic bookkeeping and accounting and basic branding and basic marketing, but that was about it. Everything else I kind of had to learn all over again.
1: It's really crazy to me that Rise Productive is almost at its three-year anniversary. Over the years, we've shared with you so much free content on how to improve your efficiencies operations and intentionality across multiple content platforms between the podcast newsletter and youtube channel we try to give you as much free value as possible all that we ask in return for all this free knowledge sharing is that you give us a review on apple podcasts or your favorite podcast platform so that more entrepreneurs and those seeking more efficiency in their lives can find our content these podcast reviews increase our rankings and help us reach more people who just like you just want to get more efficient thanks in advance and now let's get back to the show so you had yourself go into this full-time right away, right? And then you had two other co-founders. Um, did you? I've heard of, I don't know if you know who Alex Hormozzi is, but he's spoken yeah. about this before. Interested Interested to hear about the the different skill sets that you have in comparison to your co-founders. Because uh, one of the things he, he considers is a, is a good trait to have in co-founders is that you have different skill sets. Because um, basically, say you have three co-founders with the same skill set, you're essentially just giving up. 66% of your company to people who could just be employees. You know, um, I'm curious what if, if you have different skill sets than your, uh, your co-founders, how necessarily the process of like, Hey, you're, let's be co-founders on this thing. How did that uh, whole thing occur?
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good question. So I have mixed emotions on this. My first piece of advice is yeah, tr- try to go it alone. Don't, yeah. don't bring mm-hmm. on, don't bring on co-founders for that very reason, because a lot of the, heavy lifting, can this be done through contractors, employees, things of that sort. Um, the reason why I brought on co-founders was because I thought you were supposed to, you you know, you look at the Y, you look at the Y Combinator model, they pretty much won't fund anybody. That's a solo, uh, founder unless they're just super exceptional in some way. Um, and, and, and we really thought in the early days we were going to go that traditional seed, seed funding, venture, venture funding. Sure. And until so we kind of proved ourselves wrong. So there's that piece. Now, that said, um, let's say you do go the, the co-founder route. You know, ideally you get what you get, like what Paul Graham talks about, he says a, a hacker and a hustler. You get mm. somebody who is just a hustler. They, 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 they're driven to crush it. They're an animal they they want to drive sales forward they want to talk to customers they want to like kill the competition they want to figure out what's going wrong with the business and talk to customers and get that back to the hacker who's then going to build it Mm. and like and then and then the hacker you know was was the guy or gal that was hacking into the high school website when they were a kid changing their grades and stuff they've always been that like they're a tinkerer they they know how to do this stuff and yeah and so you get these two skill sets together and and one plus one is three or five or a hundred. And, 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 and so that that makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I got extremely lucky uh, in a sense that we had three hustlers <laughs> and, then, and then we learned the rest. And so that's what I was optimizing for. I was optimizing for, OK, I, who, who has a chip on their shoulder like me who wants something more out of life? And the business is the vehicle that's going to take them and, and me there. And, and they're willing to pour their soul into this mission. And, and I found two people that I'd known for 20 years that I could trust and I, and I saw that, quality, that that virtue in them. And so I figured that, you know, so long as we were like, the three of us were animals, the three of us were, were hustlers, we could learn the hacker piece. And eventually that is what happened. We, sure. we, taught, our, we taught ourselves everything we needed to, to learn. And so that did work for for me but I got extremely lucky. And so and so luck is not a not a strategy. I think you <laughs> should I think you should um try to go it alone and look at it this way like don't don't start a business with anybody and, until that until you have found your business soulmate. Yeah. Like you can't imagine not starting the business without them. Um you need to look at it like a marriage because because odds are you're going to be spending more time with them than your actual yeah. spouse. Yeah. And, and, and if it goes well or doesn't go well, it's actually harder to unwind the damn business partnership than it is a traditional marriage um, in a weird way. And so there's that. And then, and then one more thing I'll, I'll say about it is like, okay, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, check, 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 check. Okay, here's the last test. You want to start this business with somebody. Um, imagine that you had $10 million in the bank and – and and you say okay, I've got ten million dollars in the bank. Now, would you strike them a check for ten million dollars to start this business with you? And if the, and if the answer is no, then don't do it because if you're successful, your business, their equity that you're going to hand over to them is going to be worth way more than ten million dollars. Mm-hmm. And 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 you may want to go raise funding at some point, in which you're going to take on like dilution. Uh, that's going to be uh, equal to their equity. That's going to be around $10 million. So, so if you wouldn't write them a check for $10 million to start the business with you, then, then don't then do not do it.
1: Okay, nice. But did either of these uh, founders work with you in your previous business, or were they just people you'd know? No, no
0: guys I played soccer with in, in high school and college and and uh, just knew, knew, knew for 20-something years. They had kind of watched... They were they, they were there to watch me in the and when I was pushing a lawnmower and kind of watched me grow the business to where, where my first business got to and sell it. And I guess they were like, yeah, man, great job. You know, we I would love to do something like that. And and I said, Well, I'm getting ready to start this next thing and they're like, Man, I will I will do whatever it takes uh, to get on that train. And so it's like I I got lucky. I got two guys that 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 were animals that just that just were willing to do whatever it took to be successful, and that's rare. You don't see that. You don't see that very often.
1: So, what did you uh, where did you go to school by the way? I'm curious. I, I ran track in college as well. Is that why you ended up going into school regardless? Because you seem to be more entrepreneurial. And like, truth be told, yeah. like I don't think I should have. Yeah. I'm not sure if I whether should have went to college. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm
0: not either. I'm not <laughs> either. Uh, you know, I learned a few things. Uh, so. So I went to uh, Middle Tennessee State University. It's it's the uh, biggest university in the state of Tennessee, outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Sure. And the you know I went because you know I figured you're supposed to, and then also my mom was a professor there. Ah. Uh, so I, I went and I kind of wanted to, just grad you know get a degree because I knew it was important for my family to see me graduate and for her. And, I also got half off tuition, uh, which was nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, but when at night, uh, you know, so my, my, my life back then was was get up at 6am mow grass till 6 o'clock PM. Um, and then go to night school at seven o'clock PM. And a lot of times I would, I would go at night with like long clippings all over me and like smelling like gasoline. And so my, 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 my classmates didn't, didn't care for me too much. didn't want to sit by me, but that's just what I had to do at that time. And, and, you know, I, I, looking back, I, I I think I learned communication skills, how to communicate in writing. I learned a little bit about business, but but the funny thing about that was going to school and running a business at the same time, while great. being in while while being in business school, it was kind of it's kind of cool. It's like, yeah, now that's how it is, and no, that's not actually how it is. And, um, it was kind of it was kind of jarring and rewarding. So uh, if I had to do it all over again, I probably wouldn't change anything.
1: Good, that's good. I because I I'm sure you probably learned. A lot about the uh the juggling of, of multiple things at once, I think you know you still had to exactly. go to school still had to go to school i mean i did um I started what I was doing now while I was in school and uh i was I was on track and it's 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 really the time management or as people call it it is surprising that like people have time management issues because I personally don't get it like I've just never had like that like oh, you just sit around and like don't <laughs> <Yeah. I> don't. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't get that either. But you're right, man. There's one thing. I, it's, it's like one thing I did get out of those four or five years was, was just sticking with something and getting it done. And I think that's what a degree says about most people. It's like, hey, yeah. you showed up somewhere for four or five years, you got it done. And the people were like, well, Mark Zuckerberg dropped out of college. Bill Gates dropped out of college. They dropped out of Harvard. Okay, so yeah, like, let's, let's, let's <laughs> just calm down. they dropped
1: out because it was the wrong opportunity cost
0: yeah yeah
1: that's a really hard thing to say out loud but people don't admit it they dropped out of the opportunity cost of going to harvard they didn't drop out of college if it was like i don't know like even if even if it was cal they probably still would have stayed because it would have been easy enough (laughs) exactly that's a good point. <laughs> like yeah even if it was like stanford or Cal, they would have chilled but like yeah they were at harvard and the yes. opportunity cost at the time didn't make sense and that's it's yeah. because they're bill gates and <laughs> it's a very easy easy fix there to, to think about that that way but funny. yeah no i i like i like hearing about that perspective though because i do think it's interesting that you still say that because the the economy could be shifting in some ways towards uh, people going back to trades, and um, I know we talked, we touched on AI at the beginning of this. I'm curious uh, well, a little bit well, more. Well, let me let, let me
0: just make make, make yeah yeah. Uh, so so this all kind of goes into the same thing. So, um, I graduated college in 2003. Okay, and my tuition, I was getting half off. I think my tuition was six or seven grand a semester. Yeah. So so. So all in ten, it might have been all in ten grand a year, and so all in, yeah, all in forty grand. And I heard today that that same degree in the same same in state everything is like one hundred and twenty grand
1: at Middle Tennessee State.
0: Yeah, all in. (laughs) And what? It ain't worth that. It's not. It ain't worth that now now that could be some there could be some dorm in there or something or 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 uh, that was not out of state because i was like that's out of state no that's in state um but it was like 100 grand for for that four-year degree um i don't know that the roi is there for that i don't know i don't know that a degree from middle tennessee state university is worth 100 grand i don't know that it is yeah um Especially in today's world, and and what and to you, to your question, what AI is going to do to a lot of these positions that you would you would you would aspire to get with a college degree, I don't know that it's a good bet. I really don't. Especially, you know, but Peter Thiel said that most students look at college as a consumption decision and not an investment decision.
1: That's so, so backwards.
0: Yeah, and so if you if you're really being honest with yourself and looking at it as a, as a consumption decision, as like an experience, as a place to like go and, you know, have a coming of age or, 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 or the party or something, you know, um, I don't know that you're going to make your money back on that. So especially with what the next five years looks like with, 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 with AI and what AI can do it's not what AI, and it's not what AI can do. It's what, it's like AI takes your average office worker in Bangladesh and makes them better than you, yeah. like
1: mm-hmm.
0: for a fraction, a fraction of the of, of the cost. And so I, I think it's it's, it's I, I don't know. It's a weird time. Like if I if I had kids and they were going to like if they are of the age of going to school, I don't know what I would tell them to do. I don't I, I, to tell them to go. I would tell them to go. I would try to tell them to start start a business. But entrepreneurship is not for everybody. So so maybe maybe the idea of just going and starting your own business isn't the answer for everybody, but that's what I've encourage. them to do. What, I do
1: don't you, know. what do you think makes the, the right kind of person to uh, to run a business?
0: You know, it's like the the, the the person working at the corner store, you know, running a convenience store is not working any less hard or more hard than me. You mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. they're working their ass off. Um, the person running the restaurant is working their ass off. I'm working my ass off. Um, so, like, this stuff's hard at every level. And um, what makes you know what 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 separates a, a business owner, a founder, from everybody else? I, I I think I think the 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 business owner is is the type of person who who just thinks about what they're working on like twenty four seven, seven 7 days sure. a week they 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 wake up they're thinking about the problem and how they're going to serve the customer better they're in the shower they're coming up with ideas how they're going to like serve the customer better like they're i mean they get home at night they're at dinner they're thinking about okay well how was like they're thinking about it nonstop. and and and, and i know people that don't think that way and it doesn't matter what you say to them, teach them, try to beat into their head, they're never going to think that way so so i think I think you kind of like are either born with it or you are inspired or consumed by some idea that you have to see exists in the world or some mission that is all consuming and that you you cannot stop thinking about it seven days a week um and and people will ask me, well, well, how do I know if i'm uh how do I know if i'm a I'm, I'm an entrepreneur or not? you know, I have this idea for this thing, and like the kind of like jerk thing to say is like, if you were an entrepreneur, you'd already be working on that. Yeah, you know, you'd already would have started it. You would already would have like, well, I have a full time job. Well, that's that's only forty hours a week. Like, you you would have worked on this Saturday and Sunday. Um, so yeah. I think it's something inside you, and it always was inside you, and you've been trying to prove to the world that you want to that you can do this thing and build this big thing, and that's just who you are. So maybe they are born. I don't, I don't know. But these are the traits, the virtues that I've. That's a very good point. I think
1: uh, I like the way you tackled that in the business, on the business. Hopefully, over time, more and more on the business, and then in the business, and then uh, always on yourself. That's a. That's right. It's a great point. I'm glad we. I'm glad we get to chat through all this kind of stuff, and that we both love our guy Alex Ramosi. He is. Uh,
0: yeah, he, he's solid. I like him. He's entertaining. Too. He's funny.
1: Yeah, he's funny. There's a really one of my. Not that I. I try to get off the shorts, but. The one guy I will watch shorts of is Parmozi, and I'll be like, "Oh yeah, I'll get value out of this." He has this hilarious clip. Sometimes he shows his humor, and he was just like mocking everybody when he was in his flannel, and then he was just saying how it was like a Darwin outfit. He was like, he was in the flannel and like these shorts. He's like, yeah, I just like I work out in this. I eat in fine dining in this. He's like, he's just such a, he's such a trot, <laughs> But like, he, he, you can tell he, he like, he seems like a good dude. He wants to provide for people, but then like every once in a while he let his like bro Chad come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude,
0: <laughs> which, 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 which that offends and turns off a lot of people. But he's I so like funny. That. I like I I like that kind of stuff. Like, like on like on the My First Million uh, podcast when they start getting a little douchey about how much money they got and stuff. I love that. Yeah. Uh you know that that inspires me. And so I think if you can if 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 you can hear and see other people winning and being successful and get excited about that, then then that's a good sign.
1: Awesome. Well, um I would love you to uh close things up by plugging what you would like. I I think we know it'll be. And uh then we'll
0: close <laughs> things out. <laughs> well, you know, I I've had fun. Thanks for having me on your show. Um you know, and life's too short to mow your own yard. So if you live in the United States, just go to GreenPal.com. And anybody wants to hit me up, find me on Instagram, Brian M. Clayton. Just drop me a DM there.
1: Awesome. Well, Brian, thank you so much for joining us today. And we will see you in the next one. If you'd like to continue listening to this conversation, you'll need to subscribe at riseproductive.com slash membership or on your favorite podcast app. Once you do, you'll get full length access to these episodes of the Rise Productive Podcast, as well as access to our subscriber only podcast and newsletter, The Weekly Pour Over.